Support for the Woj Pod comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website, choose a template you love, and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you could tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this very podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website, so create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash Woj, W-O-J, to get 10% off. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Free agency. Just days away here with ESPN's front office insider, Bobby Marks. We tried to start a podcast earlier this morning to no avail. All hell started to break loose, but we're back at it now. Feels like free agency already started, doesn't it? We're still two days away. It feels like we're on July 5th. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the storm is out to sea and we just don't know when it's going to hit here. So, Bob, when you look at the way things are starting to shape up, 2010, you were in Brooklyn with the Nets. Actually, when, New Jersey. That's right. The no, team was headed to Newark. The team was headed yes. to Newark, right. You were selling Newark in that meeting with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, right? Well, we were we were selling Brooklyn eventually, but a lot of it was um, the myst- – It was one year in Newark. It, two years in Newark. That's right. It was the mystique of Mikhail Prokhorov. That's what the meetings were um, because these guys had never met him before. They had saw this – billionaire Russian owner just take over the team in May and um, they wanted to sit down and, and, and get to know him. The the unknown was a better sell than the known with him probably. Uh, yes, yeah. I would, I would agree. And uh, yeah, so, but that's, <laughs> you know, that group of 2010 free agents with the three we just mentioned and Amari Stoudemire, Joe Johnson, um, Carlos Boozer, Rudy Gabe came off the board really quick. Um, we thought that group of players was star studded. But this group, and it's not just the 10, you know, we'll talk about more. It's not just the 10 or 11 main guys. It's just, this is a deep group of, uh, of free agents. Does it feel a little bit the same days out as then it was a fairly new concept of teaming up? And, and I think there was even some, you tell me, I think there was even some cynicism about whether guys would really do that. Like everyone was talking about it. And looking back, USA basketball, I think changed how those guys viewed playing with each other. They all got to know each other better doing that. But like several days out from the start of that free agency, did you still have your doubts about whether they were all going to team up? Well, I mean, we thought we actually had a shot. Maybe we were naive (laughs) to the situation here, but no, I mean, you had your doubts because you had never seen it done before. Right. I mean, how teams were, you know, teams were built through the draft um, trades and free agency, like that one, that one big free agent. Um, It was never about pairing two or three guys together on the eve of this free agency now and you start to look at the way you know the dominoes start to fall and one decision impacts another Kyrie Irving Al Horford out of Boston Kemba Walker on his way in a Charlotte team that will start to head for a rebuild now which probably means Jeremy Lamb 
is out on the market. There's a lot of interest in Jeremy Lamb. And so you start to see now how what you thought a week ago or two weeks ago that Kemba would be back and they would pay him and they would keep going forward. They change. Boston now goes out. They get a point guard. They go out looking for a center in free agency. They have uh, their exception to use. But this thing is still waiting on Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. I think to a lesser extent, Clay Thompson, although I still believe, I think we all believe that between now and Sunday, Clay Thompson gets that offer from the Warriors. It just doesn't make any sense that they would risk him going to take a meeting with the Clippers and risk alienating him. Clay's principled enough to just, he loves Golden State. He wants to be there. I think it would be difficult for him to not have that max offer. And I think he would seriously take a look at moving on. I, I, I can't believe Joe Lacob lets him do that. I don't think he does. And, but you see now, you know, I think especially with Golden State, with the Clippers, with Brooklyn, and I think an extent still New York, and of course, both LA teams, Clippers and Lakers, that's the crux of your free agency there. That's where the action is going to be. And of course, Toronto trying to hold on to, to Kawhi. Well, and, and the top of the food chain too dictates the next, wave of, of free agents because if you look at uh, with Kemba Walker not coming back to um, Charlotte they don't have room to go out and get a player if um, if Kawhi Leonard leaves Toronto they don't have room to go out and get a player KD leaves Golden State they don't have room to go out and get a player so it impacts you know the um, Marcus Morris is the Bobby Portis um, those type of players there um Maybe a Danny Green, but you know, certainly there will be teams that have room, but those, you know, it just, it makes, it shrinks the market basically. When players that are on teams that are over the cap and will still be over the cap leave, it just doesn't give them the flexibility to go out and, and replace that player. You know, and the mid-level exception too is up over $9 million now. And then mid-level is a nice number. At one right. point, Back in the day, it was like four million dollars. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and it's it's like you know nowadays it's you know nine two. It's going to keep on growing. Um, even the tax mid level is five. Will be five seven. Even you know we we say the word minimum, right? I mean, a minimum is not even a minimum is like one of these mini exceptions for a guy making you know ten years in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, Vince Carter can go out and make you know two point six million dollars here. Um, so the money is you know, the money is growing. Let's go back for a minute to Kemba in Boston. And I think there was, I think a little bit of a premature, some idea that Boston was like headed for a rebuild. Now they're retooling. I don't know if there's a person in that organization who at this point doesn't want to make that trade. Now, if you had a Kyrie Irving who was committed and wanted to be there and was locked in, yeah, he's a superior player. But given what it was last year, I think Kemba will be really embraced in Boston I think that Brad Stevens is not going to be able to wait to be able to coach him. He he did not have an easy time coaching Kyrie last year, and he brings people together. He's a point guard who guys rally around. He's going to be your hardest working guy. He's going to do it by example every day. If he's got an issue with his teammates, he's going to do it in the locker room. He's going to do it behind closed doors. Kemba Walker is everything you want in a leader, a captain, and I think they'll be, I think, a little less offensively asked of him in Boston. He will not have to carry the load. I mean, the load he carried last year in Charlotte was remarkable. But he's got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, who you started to see some flashes by the end of the year of a player 
you know, look close, resembled closer to the player that they thought they had signed from the Jazz. I think for Boston, it's about as strong of a recovery as they could have made in this free agency if, if they close this thing with him on Sunday night. Well, you're right. I mean, it wasn't a rebuild. It was a retool, right? I mean, it's, it's rebuild is basically tearing it down to the nuts and bolts and, and building it back up. And the retooling is what we've seen the Clippers do. We've seen uh, the Pelicans started to do here. And when you have, when you have Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward, you've got four draft picks. Um, and you've got cap space to build around and you can still be competitive in Eastern Conference. You know, Kemba Walker filling in, sliding into that Kyrie Irving spot, you know, is, is kind of an equal measure. Now, the hard part will be Al Horford. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a loss in there. And, and what do they do and with that, that room exception there? Um, who, what do they, how do they use it on? Um, you don't have Aaron Baines and you lose Marcus Moore. So it's a different, it's a different team, but, Sometimes the better situation is when there's not as many mouths to feed. And when there's, you know, when you go, when you have a roster that's too deep, when you're 12, you have 12 deep and you're, every guy thinks they're going to play 20 to 25 minutes. And sometimes when they know their, they know their roles that Jason Tatum knows he's going to play 30 minutes tonight or Marcus Smart knows he's going to play 25 minutes tonight. That's better than having sometimes that, you know, that top heavy, heavy lineup. What kind of restraint do you expect to see in free agency versus? Four years ago, when there was a lot of cap space, Lakers go in and get Mozgov and Luol Deng. Solomon Hill gets $50 million. Do you think the league has learned anything? Do you think there'll be more restraint? Or do you think teams will strike out or teams will get into bidding frenzies with players that they're probably holding their nose at a little bit and saying, what are we doing here? But well, let's, we got to march somebody into a press conference and, we have to have something to show for this month. What What's your sense of the mood around the league in that regard? That teams have learned restraint on length of years of the contracts. That the day and age of a four-year contract for a rotational player is long gone. You know, there will certainly be probably four-year contracts for a player like uh, three or four-year contracts for a player like like Bojan Bogdanovic, certainly there. Um, we'll see four-year, five-year contracts for the main players, you know, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, players like that. Um, we'll see probably high numbers, but we'll probably see players on one-year contracts. We'll see maybe two uh, – well, I can certainly see t- uh, players on uh, two-year contracts based on the free agent market not as appealing to some teams next year. But, I mean, I think the day and age of – you know, well, 601 that, you know, Joachim Noah is getting four for 72 and B- uh, Bismarck Biombo and Jan Mahinmi and Timothy Mozgov are getting four for 72. Luol Deng. Um, I think that day, day and age is, is long gone. I think a lot of teams learned and teams are still paying, teams are still paying the price. I mean, Washington's still paying, they'll get relief eventually, but this is kind of their last year of paying that price. What do you think Philly's mindset is right now? on how they're approaching this free agency with Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, JJ Redick. Well, when you ever whenever you go out and make a trade in November for Jimmy and February for Tobias Harris, you know that it's going to cost you, right? It's going to cost you significantly because as I said all along, those were Elton Brand's, you know, he those were his free agent additions, you know. Those were instead of going out with 
$60 million in cap space, which sometimes is great. He was able to get those guys, but now it's going to be the cost. Is it going to be, can, can, can he offer five years? Will it be five years on both players? Five years, 190, knowing that Ben Simmons is eventually up and you already have Joel Embiid on a, on a max contract. The, the hard part is, you know, neither player are restricted free agents. So it's not like you, they can go out and get an offer sheet and you can just wait here. Like you lose both guys. And you're sitting there with like sixty million dollars in room, and you're we're almost like back to square one of um you know of like the process. But both you know Embiid and Simmons are healthy, so it's a tough decision. It's like, do you just write the blank check, say here's five for one ninety on both guys, or here's four for one forty or one forty six for Tobias, or do you let them say, you know what, go find a team? And that, and that's the big reason when you get these players, you built the relationship with the agent, where you can say, okay. Go out and get it. Find a find a team, and then bring that offer back to me, and then we'll and then we'll talk here. And that's certainly you know that's certainly an approach that Elton can take there. You know what's interesting to me is when you look at how you evaluate Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, the players who came in. They, to me, they were very consistent with the players they had been. That ultimately the Clippers didn't quite want to max out Tobias Harris. They had a tremendous return for him. It was an easy trade to make for them, essentially three first-round picks. If you want to include Landry Shamit, who was a first-round pick last year and is a really good young player. And Jimmy was Jimmy. Like, he was really good in the playoffs and big moments. You know, he challenged guys a lot, and he makes people uncomfortable at times. That's Jimmy, and, and sometimes it's a really good thing. Sometimes it's not. But I don't know that they got a surprise with either guy. They were who they were. J.J. Redick had an outstanding season for them, and – uh, there's always going to be interest in him. There is interest in him in free agency. Because Jimmy's five years older than Tobias, and they gave up so much more for Tobias, you'd think that, to me, Tobias is the one they just can't let walk. It's a lot of assets to give up and not keep a player. That's what leads me to believe when they sit down with him on Sunday night, they come with an offer that gets something done. Because I just, you know this, Bobby, you run the risk of, both Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris probably meet with the Sixers first, you know, really get a sense of what the offer is. They've been able to talk back and forth and throw numbers at each other. But the minute that guy walks out the door and starts to go take meetings, you run the risk of you read about their deal on the Internet before you get a chance to come back at it. You may never get another crack. It's a heck of a risk. The next time you'll see him is when you're playing him. That, I mean, or when you're watching their press conference on, on TV. And it's, you know, it's funny, Woj, you know, when you look at both players here and, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of teams about, you know, how do we determine max players, right? Like it's always the big, you know, it's like people hear the word max and we always think of an, it's got to be an all NBA player. And There's it's only 15 of them. And it's, and right. It, it's right. And it, but it's not. Yeah. It's like the, what determines a max is the market. Right. Like that's right. Chris Milton's an all star. He's probably not a one, right? He's not a number one guy. And there may not be a player with more leverage in the league than Chris Middleton. That's right. It's- they can't lose him because you lose Chris Middleton. You can't replace him. And now what have you done to that Milwaukee team? You've destabilized it. And now Giannis Antetokounmpo is going, wait a minute. What happened to my championship contender? And he's earned it. It's not just, a, but it's the leverage also of they can't go out and get another Chris Middleton. And, and so it, you're right. That creates the leverage. And if he was out in the market, he could get. I think he'd get one of the – there's enough max slots in the league. I think he'd get one. Lakers probably would give him one, wouldn't they? Maybe. Oh, oh, definitely. Maybe. No, they would. And, um, you know, it's like it's like the argument like back in 16, like Hassan White's not got a max, but 
like the, the heat didn't have any flexibility to replace him. So you kind of, and he was coming off a, coming off a great year here. So, I mean, there'll be guys getting, the top guys will get paid. And, and if Tobias Harris, who's never made an all-star game, will get paid significantly because of the leverage, the market, and certainly his skill set. Let's talk about debt. It's a massive problem for many. And the truth is traditional credit card companies don't do much to help. All those fees, rewards programs that make you want to spend, and unexpected interest charges. A lot of people get into financial trouble. But I just learned about a new kind of credit card company, and it's completely changed the way I think about credit cards. The new company is called Pedal, and it was started by a group of people who were sick of old-school credit card companies. That's why their Visa credit card has no fees, and their mobile app is designed to help you manage your spending responsibly. Pedal's cashback program rewards you for doing the right thing. Earn 1% cashback right away and up to 1.5% cashback when you make 12 on-time payments. Pedal is a great modern option for everyone, but especially those who are just starting to build credit because you can qualify even if you've never had credit in the past. Pedal partners with WebBank member FDIC. As of today, the Pedal Visa's variable APRs range from 15.24% to 26.24%. It's about time a credit card company helped you succeed financially. Check out the Pedal Credit Card. It's responsible credit for the modern world. Go to pedalcard.com slash woge today to find out more. That's pedal with a T, P-E-T-A-L, card.com slash woge, W-O-J. Bobby, I think it was your old boss with the Nets, Rod Thorne, who said to me once, a max player does one of two things, and ideally he does both. He either wins you championships or he fills arenas, right? And so Tim Duncan would win you a championship. Allen Iverson would fill an arena. You know, Michael Jordan did both. Or you go through the guys who could do both. Kobe and Shaq did both. And if they couldn't do either one of those two, they weren't a max player. And in theory, you can buy that. But in reality, there's 30 teams, and each team can – in most scenarios, house two max players. Some have three. And so now, like, our math goes, well, are there 30 players in the league who impact winning championships or fill arenas? Probably not. Now we're to six. Actually, I don't know what the count of max players in the league. I guess we'd have to go through and look. But there's more max slots than there are max players, right, if we're, if we're being honest with it. There, there is. I mean, if you look at – um you know, you look at free agency and we, we started doing an exercise where we, we labeled, we put numbers next to guys, right? And you go through it and it's like, you, you get done with it and be like, is there enough money for all these guys? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, when you're putting four and six million dollars and at the end of the day, maybe this player gets a minimum. But yeah, I mean, there's probably what, 10 guys this summer, max worthy. Are there 10 max slots if Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris go somewhere else? Right now, that takes Philly kind of out of the equation. Now, is Philly going to go out and sign a max player? I don't. I don't think so. And a lot of times, too, you have to overpay to get somebody in free agency, especially restricted free agency. When you see these crazy balloon numbers, what you're doing in restricted free agency, if you're just offering somebody a market value deal, well, it's easy for the other team to match it. If you're Malcolm Brogdon, and teams out in the marketplace are going. Well, we're looking at all the financial commitments Milwaukee has. So let's go to 20 million. Let's go to 21 or 22. Brooklyn did it a few years ago with Alan Crabb, Tyler Johnson. Both of them got matched. Looking back, probably both teams wish they didn't match them. But 
it's really difficult for teams to just let a guy walk away for nothing. And you say, well, we match it, we keep him, we can eventually trade him. And both teams did trade him. But for the most part, you overpay in free agency. That's why it's hard to build a team through free agency. It's much easier to draft well. It gives you some cost certainty, right? This is a hard way to go out and build a roster. The land of the unknown, as I call it, for free agency is because you are at the mercy of uh, certainly the big names at the agent and you are in a um, – you're in a, um, you're in a holding pattern here with, uh, with, with these type of players. And you're right. I mean, building the roster out. I mean, the best way, the, the perfect formula to build out the roster is to have seven or eight guys like Atlanta has on rookie contracts and then have cap space to appeal to a main free agent down the road. I mean, that's like the, the formula. I think you see it a little bit in Brooklyn. Like Brooklyn's got a foundation where like they can add Kyrie Irving or possibly Kevin Durant and they won't have to do anything. Like those guys can just come in here. Yes, it will, it will cost them D'Angelo Russell, but yeah, free aid. I mean, it's great for us to talk about cap space and flexibility, but like cap space more than, more than other gets you burned. Um, if you don't use it, um, if you don't use it right in drafts, the trade market and the trade market's hard too, because that costs you something. Um, I mean, Goldsgate, Golden State with getting Kevin Durant was, you know, one of the, it's like hitting the lottery, right? I mean, it's one of the rare instances where it cost him Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut, but to have him slide in there with Curry, um, Draymond and, um, Clay Thompson. It was only because they had drafted those players. And that's right. Come up in their, and they were on great yeah, deals. Yeah. They were none of the, the four, the three players were on max deals. Well, you, you look back and that's where it's easier to me to get guys to take less. Look at the Spurs teams. And there would be criticism around the Players Association at times. You'd hear it with some guys saying, hey, Manu didn't get his market value. Tony Parker didn't – he could have made more somewhere else. I remember there was one free agency period where Manu could have gotten a ton of money in Denver. And he knew what he had in San Antonio. And I remember they went to Duncan later in his career and showed him a couple scenarios. I said, listen, here's the full max for you. You've got the full max if you want it. But here's something – I want to say it was around $20, 22000000 million a year – Here's another scenario where it allows us to be able to pay to keep Manu and keep Tony here. And it is a lot easier, I think, as a player, as a star player, when you can physically look at who it is we're going to keep and you have relationships with them and you know that you're winning with them to take less, to say, let's keep this together versus take less in free agency so next year we can go out and get this guy or this guy. And when it becomes a hypothetical, I think that's where it's harder to do it. You know, Kevin Durant did it in Golden State walking in and allowed them to keep Andre Iguodala, allowed them to keep Sean Livingston, and it created a lot of goodwill walking in the door. He did it two years in a row and allowed them to keep some teammates around and help them win. You know, but it's harder when you're just going out in free agency and saying, like what Daryl Morey's trying to do, right? Like we're trying to create, he's trying to do a sign and trade or what the Lakers are doing, which is they were able to go create the space. They literally gutted the roster to do it. Right. So it's either going to be we, we sign a third max and we fill it up with minimum guys or we break it up and go get a Danny Green, go get a Seth Curry, go get a Terrence Ross and uh, cobble a roster together that way. Well, and, and NBA guys are they're smart. <laughs> I mean, these guys, you know, it, it, they they will go into these meetings and even some of the lesser known and they will have a clear picture of what these rosters will look like. And what, if they are going to commit to two years or three years, what is, they're not going to go in there with, with, um, 
you know, with with, uh, with blinders on. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, I'm sure, has studied the roster in Toronto and, and realizes that, you know, you've got some guys on an exp- expiring contract with Serge and Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet and saying, like, you know, is it a short-term deal? Do I want to commit long-term? And that's going back to, like, having faith, like, trust. And I think Masai Ujiri, their president, said it best. Like, he's built the trust of Kawhi that even with these players as potential free agents, like, he knows that Masai can go out and get guys. Like he, he can draft guys. You saw it with Siakam. You can find undrafted players in Fred Van Vliet. So that's the confidence in the front office there. And it's, you know, it, it's very hard. And I think that's why we see the high level guys change over so quick. It's very hard to pitch something in three hours. I mean, it really is, unless you're really going to kind of take a little bit of a leap of faith here. These meetings, and I think too, Man, I think these meetings are really overrated. I think, <laughs> they are. Like, I mean, oh man, we have so many stories but, from but, the but meetings. But teams who get guys don't get guys. Like, I just think it's very rare that somebody has an epiphany in a meeting. I think a meeting can confirm what you already thought, positively or negatively. But I just don't think that there's been a lot of conversation in almost all these instances for months before a player goes in and sits in that meeting. Now it's a chance for them to sit and talk and again validate what they think going in to see a plan, to hear about a plan, to see how you connect. I think one thing that's going to be really important in these meetings, I'm told, Doc Rivers and Kawhi Leonard, right? You know, how Doc connects with Kawhi. That's going to be important. And, you know, there'll be some other instances of that. But, you know, in some of these cases, you've got a general manager and a coach. I mean, let's take Brooklyn, for example. They're going to walk in the room with Kyrie Irving they're probably going to have some questions for him about how he envisions his role, about how he imagines this thing going in Brooklyn, how he's going to fit into the environment that they've built, all of those things. You're not getting the answers. You're not going to get satisfaction that you're fully comfortable with any of it in an hour, two hours. It's just, it's not possible. And think of what's at stake, the money, the investment, like, what other walk of life would you make that kind of a financial investment with so little interaction with somebody? But you have to do it in NBA free agency. And, and here's how things have changed in the NBA in the last, you know, 10 years. There used to be such a high investment financially and workload in the draft that teams would have a army load of scouts, just college guys that would go out and scout and do background and meta. And we'd, you know, we would spend on private eyes. And we would pick one player that was on a rookie contract for four years, you know, twelve million dollars. Where nowadays it's like the roles are reversed because, like, you better have the same intel that you have when you're doing when for an NBA a pro player that you have for a college player. If you're going to go out and sign a player like Jimmy Butler for four years, one hundred forty million dollars, like that's not a guy like after a year or two you cannot you know you just don't pick up his his uh, his team option here. Well, Bobby, it will be – I think this is going to be a pretty wild free agency. I think that there's going to be still some trades, possibly some maneuvering to create space, to move players around, to go get a free agent that a team doesn't have the space for now. I think we could see some of that. So we are 72 hours away, and uh, there will be some stuff before Sunday night at 6 o'clock. 170 players. What did we say? 40% of the NBA is free agents. And we've already seen a lot of trades. Mike Conley, Anthony Davis, and a marquee, you know, a, probably a group of players we'll never see again as far as all-star level free agents. It'll be fun. We'll be talking all the way through then. Thanks, Bobby. 
Thanks for listening to the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, ESPN's front office insider, Bobby Marks. Remember, you can listen to new and archive episodes of the Woj Pod on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever else you get your programs. And, of course, a big thank you to our sponsors, Wix.com and Pedal. Be sure to support them like they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time.